Point of Order podcast, an inside look at California politics in the state legislature. I'm your host, Assemblyman Josh Hoover from District 7, and we're joined again today by Assemblyman Heath Flora from District 9, uh, Amador, Calaveras, Sacramento, San Joaquin, and San Islas counties. Welcome back, Heath. It's great to be here. Good to see you. I appreciate you coming back on, yeah. and uh, I know we had a really fun conversation last time. A ton to go over today, mm-hmm. uh, but I wanted to ask you first how your district's doing after that big storm yesterday. Obviously, we both have a sliver of Sacramento County, but we're also, you know, uh, Northern California and Central Valley kind of adjacent. So how's your district doing after all that craziness? Yeah, the district looks good. You know, we talked about a little bit. uh, We all have small streams, smaller rivers. They're obviously much larger now with all that water. But overall, I think we survived it. It's not like last year where we had just a lot of saturation and then a big storm. So yeah. this year, I think we're we're faring it significantly better. But I will say, if we get another big storm coming through, uh, we could have problems again. But so yeah, far, so for good. Sure. For sure, yeah. We've got, uh, I would say, the same in our district. I mean, we've got some trees, some mm-hmm. power uh, shutdowns, uh, power outages. We've got um, a lot of transit disruption in Sac County. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> I was driving by some light rail stops in my neighborhood, and the poles are just broken in half and hanging. I mean, it's, yeah, it hit them pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, I think we probably saw more of that, honestly, in yeah. my district is just down power lines and, yep. you know, utility poles coming down, and which I think we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but maybe we should, you know, a little undergrounding might not be yeah, horrible Yeah, undergrounding idea. <laughs> would be great. It would <laughs> so. be great. It's, it's so crazy. I, so uh, I was at, my daughter's birthday was over the weekend, and we had her party on Sunday in Rancho Cordova. Mm-hmm. And it was in that KP Market uh, place center in, off in Rancho. And uh, halfway through the party, they're doing karaoke and stuff. And the power, the entire center lost power. Nice. And so we ended up, uh, yeah, we ended the party early. Yeah, listen, <laughs> we yeah. went back to our house. But uh, it was it was definitely a memorable birthday because we had all these, like, 12-year-old girls with iPhone flashlights <laughs> in a dark room trying to open presents. And I stuff. love it. it was, and you think about that, too. Like, I'm not sure our generation really <laughs> understands. Like, I mean, our parents used to have candles in every door, every yeah. room, right? Right? And lighters and matches and all this stuff. And like, that we lost a, power last time. Like, crap, I don't have a single candle. Dude, that is such a good point. I never even thought about yeah. that. Yeah, we used to light the candles and stuff. Totally. You didn't just have a phone to pull out yeah. and like, yeah. you know, shine your way. So I'm going to be going to Hobby Lobby and buying a bunch of candles today. Yeah, so. it might not be a bad <laughs> idea. Uh, my house was spared the power outage, but uh, my some of my neighbors had it. And it was... Uh, it was a fun day, but I, yeah. I know that, you know, in my district, we've got a lot of smud territory. They're working hard to get things back up and we'll, uh, <clears throat> you know, hopefully not have that same level of wind the rest of this week. So well, these are the days you really learn to appreciate your utility workers because um, oh we're all just whining and complaining because we're out of power. And those are the men and women that are out there. You know, That's when they go connect. to work. Exactly. Yeah. So these yeah, are days we appreciate them. Very much so. So definitely big shout out. Um want to talk to you. We'll jump right into the weekly recap because we've got <clears throat> just so much has happened in the last mm-hmm. week, and I wanted to get your thoughts on a few things. Uh, the first is that we obviously had our kind of two-year House of Origin deadline last year. Basically, any bill that was introduced last year um, had to be passed out of the – in the Assembly or the Senate had to be passed out of those houses by last week. Um, I just wanted to highlight a couple bills that died that I think – I was pretty happy about we on this podcast, we talked about the youth football ban Mm -hmm. that we you and I were actually at that press conference a few weeks ago. Uh, That bill obviously won't be moving forward. Um, The the bill uh, prohibiting school resource officers or limiting or restricting school resource officers uh, as AB 1299 um, also was on the cut list this year, which I'm really thankful for. Mr. Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. The Jackson bill. And he was ready. I was ready to talk on that bill last week. We actually talked about it on the podcast last week and then, um, uh, and then he didn't bring it up. So, you know, must not have the votes is my guess. Well, I think that's probably (laughs) right. And I I don't know if you want to go down that rabbit hole. Um, Yeah. I'm, I subbed in for uh, some member Dolly in education that day when we heard that bill in education. And so, um, Similar member Marisucci, the chair of education, really, and his staff really gutted that bill. Um, yeah. it, did, it was yeah. a very different bill than what he intended it to be, Yeah, um, yeah. which honestly is props to education yeah, committee good staff. Yeah, good for them. And then so I don't, my just my personal beliefs, it didn't do what he wanted it to do, so he didn't bring it forward. And yeah. none of, even in the committee, uh, my Democratic colleagues, our Democratic colleagues were not particularly happy yeah. that this was even a 
the conversation. So, I mean, just this idea, especially in a day and age where we have the type of school safety concerns mm-hmm. that we have today, yeah. it's like the fact that you would want to restrict or limit or even get rid of school resource officers that are keeping students safe in our high schools. Like yeah. it, it just seems completely backwards. Yeah. So. And I think you and I probably are on the side of, uh, we'd love to see more cops in all of these places. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. If anything, yeah. A lot of schools need more officers yeah. and really more uh, support to keep things safe. Right. 100%. So it's just like, it's frustrating, and and it's also a local control issue. Like, yeah. let these if a school district wants to contract with their local PD and protect their kids, let them do it. Like, well, as you well know, <laughs> Sacramento typically knows best, right? I mean, <laughs> in our own minds, it's it's so crazy. Like, we all love to talk about local control yeah. until it relates to Sacramento, and then we get under that white dome, and we tend to forget that there's actually <laughs> a lot of really really good local electeds that yeah. have a job to do. Absolutely, and I think you you know you know that better than I do, quite frankly. So. I mean, it's true, and I, I hear that from my city council members all the yeah. time, and my school board members all the time. And totally. you know, yeah, let them govern. I yeah. mean, let them do their job. Novel idea, exactly. So, uh, last one I was going to mention was the uh, the bill. Uh, was it was it ACA four? I think it, it was the one that would allow felons to vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, that bill is going to be dead for the year as well, yeah. which was another one I was concerned about. Yeah. Uh, so you know, I think we've got. Um, I think that was interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot, of, a lot of bills that I had concerns about did not move forward, so I'm thankful for that. And now we're getting ready for a bunch of new bills that are yeah. coming down. So. Well, I think the um, last year, end of session, as you well know, nothing really died on the floor, yeah. right? I mean, everything got through. And yeah. I think that was largely because of the turmoil that our Democratic colleagues were under the speakership change in yeah. our house. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I am actually very excited, or not, maybe excited too, yeah. too too good. I'm encouraged. <laughs> yeah. Um, because Speaker Rebus has seemed like if you don't have the votes, we're not bringing it to the floor. Mm-hmm. And um, as you remember, a number of years ago, it uh, we'd have bills on call for four or five hours, just people browbeating to get votes. And I do not feel that that speaker is going to be that yeah. way. And I really do appreciate that him. Like it's a it's a it's a pleasant change. Yeah, it's such it's such an ugly way to make policy too. I mean, yeah. just to the point where you see people just being surrounded and yeah. you know coerced into voting for things. It's like it's really hard to watch, like up close and personal. Yeah. Well, and it's crazy. Like, and we've seen it. Like, you got one party yep. cussing, yeah, and the one dude's in tears. Yeah, like I mean, yeah. people don't quite understand how it's it gets really intense. It really does, and and, so, and the public doesn't see that because it's not on TV right. per se. The way right. the, the the main session, I mean, you can see like the vote board and the speaker or whoever's running the session, but you can't really see that stuff going on unless you're there. No, absolutely. And there's a lot and, of uh, uh, I mean, I've been doing this for you know almost eight years now, and I can think back on many many bills where literally yeah. uh, men and women both are in tears. Men and, men and women both are getting yelled at by yeah. their own party yeah. to vote for yeah. a particular bill. So it is. I, I am very thankful and actually, quite frankly, um, think that's leadership where let's know if yeah. you got the votes, bring it to the floor. And if you don't, then you didn't do your job. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. So uh, lots more to come in the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about some of the bills coming uh, yeah. this year, but uh, there's still a lot to be introduced still. So we'll wait on that for now. Uh, I I can't remember a podcast where we didn't talk about something going on with a store closure or a crime in the Bay Area or something like that. It, but there were so many stories in this last week. So I'm just going to blow through these and then we can talk about the general topic. But uh, I put together a little crime roundup today. Kaiser sent a memo to their Oakland employees uh, telling them to avoid going out to lunch in downtown and bring their own food to work. Clorox in Oakland hired security to walk their employees around the campus and make sure they got to their cars safely and stuff. Um, Denny's in Oakland closed due to crime. This was last week. Uh, uh, Jeffrey's Toy Store in mm-hmm. San Francisco, which you know famously inspired the Toy Story franchise, the Pixar franchise, uh, shut down. I can't even remember how many years they've been at, like 40-plus years yeah, or something. It's been a minute. Yeah. It's been a long time shut down due to crime, and then Santa Monica ranked, uh, this is obviously in L.A., but Santa Monica ranked as one of uh, the least safe cities in California, um, which if you know anything about Santa Monica, that's that's pretty crazy, yeah. right? I used to live like next to Santa Monica, and that was not the perception. Right. So uh, 
I mean, that was in one week. I mean, this is, I don't know. I mean, I feel like I sound like a broken record, but it's just getting absolutely out of hand. Well, I think the week before, in and out. Yeah, in it, we t- exactly. In and right. out the week before, yeah. uh, which we talked about. It's crazy. I think it's sad. I really yeah. do. I think there is a, a state of our state currently that um, we're not addressing. And, you know, sadly, I, I, as you know me, I'm not a particularly partisan guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I try very hard to work across the aisle and build relationships. But this issue, my Democratic colleagues have to own. Yeah. It's just that simple. Um, when there are no consequences for anything anymore, when we talked about Prop 47, AB 109, like yeah. those types of issues, and their absolutely unwillingness to address it in any meaningful way, it's asinine. Um, my daughter and I, uh, a number of months ago, were at Target, and a dude literally runs past us with a shopping cart full of stuff, right? Yeah. And it just makes you think, like, this is sad. Like, this yeah. is where we're at. And and I'm not saying that we go back to the 70s, 80s of just throw everybody in jail mentality. Yeah, throw like, away the key no, sort of I, thing. I, yeah. That's dumb. That, that doesn't work. But I do not believe that we should continue these policies that we have going on right now and expect different change. Totally. I mean, you have to have consequences. They have to be reasonable. They have mm-hmm. to fit the crime. 100%. Uh, and you have to have a focus on rehabilitation because we want the people that can be rehabilitated to yeah. have that opportunity. But you can't just not give people consequences. It just yeah. doesn't work, and, and that's what we're seeing right now. So. No, I mean, like $940, and there's <clears> no – I mean, literally every day I can go still 940 bucks. Yep. And the, there's be absolutely no consequences. And, like – I mean, in some ways, like, who's the idiot? Like, I'm the idiot that's sitting in a target line waiting to pay $400 for stuff, right? Yep. And meanwhile, I could walk out the front door. Like, I mean, at some point, I may be a little bit tongue-in-cheek there, but, like, it's true. the the idea, like, like this is craziness. Like, yeah. this is le- legitimately crazy. And yeah. then we, ex- we just think people are going to change? Like, no. Well, yeah, human nature often doesn't change, but the uh... – but, but you know, and that's why we have these, you know, societal rules yeah. and stuff. And so I, I think the, the, the concern I have is we're creating kind of this culture where it's okay and, mm-hmm. you know, you start opening up opportunities for uh, more and more of it if it continues to go unchecked. So when you think about it too, like, I mean, you're a father, I'm yeah. a father, like you can tell your kid not to do something yep. and then if there's no consequences to that, they're going to do it again tomorrow, right? Yeah. Yeah. Until like, and so like this, I, it's not a... A he said, she said thing. It's just like, it's simple, like yeah. human behavior. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's fascinating to me that we have not been able to fix this yet. Yeah. Because I really do think there's a lot of smart people on both sides of this issue that could have a very open, honest conversation if they had the political will. Well, we're going to talk more about that in a little bit because I do want to get into what we think might happen this year, sp- specifically mm-hmm. when it comes to retail theft, but I, I couldn't agree more. So uh, another big kind of dust up th- last week was, um, the majority party uh, held a press conference introducing AB 205, which is this bill. Uh, So in 2022, the legislature passed a budget trailer bill that implemented a new utility charge on customers, uh, mostly large utility customers. The majority party who passed that bill came out last week with a bill to repeal that provision and decried you know, mm-hmm. energy costs and all these things, which they're not wrong on that. But the crazy part is it's in, in large part their policies. Yeah. <laughs> and and so they passed this bill a year and a half ago, and now they're trying to repeal it or at least uh, run it back, walk it back. And so I, I, I don't know. You probably saw that press conference, yeah. but it was it was pretty eye-opening. No, it's fascinating. And I think you and I talked off on, you know, offline a little bit about this, right, where – this is exactly the reason why we don't do policy yep. and budget trailer bills. Yeah. I mean, it's it's stupid. And go ahead. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, you're talking about a bill that had three days of public mm-hmm. eyeballs. Yeah. Like, you can't respond to that. There's no input that can happen there. No, absolutely not. And and on an issue like this, that's massive, right? And and I I get very frustrated. I know uh, the IOUs are all, you know, they can be an easy target for public scrutiny. And there are some that are better than others, and, and, and some you know maybe have had a history of not particularly doing things the right way. 
though I do truly believe that all of them are moving in the right direction. But it, I get more frustrated at us as a body yeah. that we mandate and demand they do X, Y, and Z yep. to make us feel better. And then we just expect there to be no additional costs. Like I think at some yeah. point we have to look in the mirror and be like, well, if we want to keep rates down, if we want to help our consumers out, then maybe we have an honest conversation about what we're doing, what we're mandating them. Because at the end of the day, like, I mean, whether you like it or not, they, they do have shareholders, right? They, they are a for-profit business. And so I think there's a, a bigger conversation about all of that. I think number one, if there was ever a piece of legislation that really rips the Band-Aid off of not doing policy in budget trailer bills, yeah. this was it. Yeah. Because they had massive implications, yeah. right? And no, well, we actually, I mean, our leader, James Gallagher, he screams and yells about this almost on a yearly basis yeah. about talking about, like, why are we doing policy and budget? Like, this is crazy. I think this is a really, really good example of why that's not a great idea. Yeah, I mean, this whole issue didn't touch the utilities committee. It didn't get nope. a discussion in a policy committee nope. where, you know, groups can support or oppose or nope. members of the public can come and speak. It was really interesting. Ashley Zavala, who did the the big story for KCRA on the press conference last week, asked uh, the author of the bill at the end of the press conference, so, you know, you voted on this. Um you know, now you're saying that it's bad, but you you actually voted to put it through mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. And the response was, well, I don't think we should have done it in the budget trailer bill. Okay. Uh, some some folks have said like, well, th- we kind of missed this one, right? But if you open up the, the analysis for the bill, the floor analysis that we had access to, the number two point was this policy that they're trying to repeal. Yeah. And so it's just like, you know... They're trying to say we didn't really know about this or we didn't have time, but they they knew it was there, and it's frustrating. Totally, and I think that's where like some of us like when it comes to budget trailer bills or budget in general, like there's good things in pretty much every budget in chief and budget trailer bill, right? There's always things that we support and there's always things that we don't support, yeah, which is sort of quite frankly part Mm. of their game, right? And there's also rules that you can't have you know, a bill that touches on multiple subjects yeah, with the exception of budget. Right. And so I think if we're going to be honest with people, that really needs to be cleaned up uh, or we're going to continue to have these issues. It is part of the game for sure. And it's, it's kind of interesting because this is how a lot of federal policy is made. Like Mm -hmm. they put just these massive bills with all these different things. And then you're like, well, you're bad and good, or you can make any argument you want on the vote. Right. Totally. Um, and, and I just think that as a legislature, like we have a single subject rule for that reason. Like we don't want to be the federal government. Yeah, <laughs> like we, totally. we want to do policy on, on a case by case basis, but you, you don't do that if it's in a budget bill. So and I just think I like, just to be completely honest and, yeah. uh, I voted for that <clears throat> Yeah, like on the budget trailer bill. I did. But, well, there was some good stuff in the bill and there I think was. that's the point. Yeah. It's like. And then, and that's where I get frustrated about it because like, like, yes, I, I, and listen, I, I'm also like, I, we all make votes. I mean, we make 2,500 votes a year. Right. And, and there's, this is exactly the reason why budget bills are so challenging. And quite frankly, I don't believe they get the attention that they deserve. Yeah, Um, for sure. I think, you know, some of them are falling over Nolte before him Mm -hmm. who are vice chairs of budget have one of the hardest jobs as far as vice chairmanships in our caucus. Yeah, um, because there are so many things going on in these bills that they're tracking, and I think for us, like we have to make those decisions as as you know, individual members. But yeah. it is frustrating because a lot of these bills have really good pieces, and there's usually something in there you're like, eh, I know. And I know. so it's that risk versus reward. <clears throat> no, it's really tough. Um, so this next one's kind of fun. So not really fun. It's just a fun conversation. But we thought the tackle football ban was kind of like okay, that's that's stepping over the line. Now there's a bill that's been introduced in the Senate to require all new cars mm-hmm. um, to be produced where they cannot go more than 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. Uh-huh. Uh, this has been obviously an f- uh, interesting talk of conversation in the media and stuff, but uh, what are your initial thoughts on that one? Uh, <laughs> I'm completely hosed. Um, <laughs> I've uh, sent the senator, the author, that bill a, a couple different um, 
theme song suggestions for that particular <laughs> bill. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. And we have a good relationship. And so it's been kind of fun. But um, it's just crazy. It really is. Like, um, I mean, I just, in some ways, I understand, like, the the thought process, right? Like, in a perfect world, if we're all just, you know, robots, you know, okay, fine, but we're not like in like just yeah. the simple like merging onto a freeway, um, passing a car, I like, just like just normal Day-to-day life stuff, things. Like know. it's like, are we are we kidding me? And first of all, like I don't know if I've driven a speed limit for a minute, and I have a driving record to prove it. <laughs> like I'm a huge supporter of CHP, and yeah, uh, yeah. I paved a lot of freeways with uh, yeah. with my tickets. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, no, I, it's just crazy to me, and I think it's just sort of a uh, perspective that I don't understand. It, I, and I think that's it, right? It's like yeah, he's making the public safety argument, and and obviously, you know, there's a lot of things we could do for public safety yeah. that would completely violate everyone's civil rights, yeah. right? Like, I mean, we, you know, uh, you know, we could restrict movement. I mean, we had these conversations during COVID, right? Yeah. What what the governor was trying to do during COVID with restricting businesses being open and restrict for, for safety. Well, sure, you could do a lot of things to make sure no one ever gets hurt. That doesn't make mean you should do it. Yeah. And, and I think that's where, uh, you know, this bill is just, it's way over the line in terms of government overreach. Yeah. Um, and I actually look forward to, I mean, Listen, uh, the senator and I have a very good relationship, friendship, um, though we don't agree much politically, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just the way that it is, and, and, and I and I like that. I would be curious to have a conversation with him about, like, where this idea came from. Yeah. Like, because in trying to back that up a little bit of, like, okay, because I agree with you completely. Like, yeah, there's a lot of things we could do to protect everybody. Wrap them in a bubble. Yeah, You know, exactly. I mean, all of those things. And that's, yeah, you could probably be safer. But at the end of the day, um, individual freedoms and liberties. And this is the other thing too, on that particular issue. I, I love our colleagues when we talk about everybody has the right to choose. Right. Mm -hmm. But then at times it feels like we only have the right to choose if we agree with them. Yeah. Yeah. And like, well, if, if I don't get the privilege of putting my thought process, my ideology onto you, then why do you get to put yours onto me? Yeah. I think there's a conversation to be had there. Yeah. No, it's a great point. And uh, I mean, it'll be interesting to see if this gets any traction. Pardon the pun. That's that was unintentional. Well, if you're only going 10 um, miles an hour, you probably get traction. So, <laughs> so uh, but, you know, it's uh, I I wonder, is our legislature in a place, you know, we're pretty imbalanced as a whole um, where they would actually consider this conversation like a legitimate conversation? Uh, to me, it shouldn't be, but I, I wonder what it's what's going to happen with it this year. I don't think so. I mean, this is just me um, yeah. being optimistic. If you look at the last polls on far as voter registration, yeah. every single congressional, Senate, assembly district in the state of California had an increase in Republican registration. Yeah, that's true. And there's a few uh, council or city council seats or, I'm sorry, supervisor seats that did not, but overwhelmingly – yeah. The state had an increase in Republican voter registration. Yeah. I don't know why that is exactly. Um, but if I was in the opposition or if I was on the Democratic side, right, I'd be taking note of that. Where, yeah. And you've had a conversation with our colleagues. Yeah, like, for sure. And it's sort of like the Republican, the fringe sides of both of our parties can do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. And I think that our Democratic colleagues are dealing with that right now. I really do. Yeah, I mean, this one, uh, you know, I, I, I hope you're right. I think I think you're right that this probably won't get very far, but I just always wonder yeah. on these bills because some bills get introduced every year that I'm like, well, that, well, that's not going to happen. I mean, clearly that's crazy, and then it, it moves through, right? So, Well, well and the author of these bills, uh, I'm not sure there's anybody in elected office today that works harder than he does. Yeah, at getting his bills passed, Correct. right? Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, he is he a, does work his bills very hard, I will say. He's a very, very, very um, good author, whether you agree with it or not. <laughs> I, I, last thing I'll make on this bill is, like, I think the timing is weird because we're talking about implementing, even in his city, they're already testing and implementing self-autonomous vehicles yeah. that are going to, that it, that is going to solve this issue over time. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we're not there yet, 
But it's like in the next twenty years, you know, I, I think there's going to be some real. You rode in the the Waymo. one of those the Waymo yeah. cars. They're incredible. Dude. So like, I'm like, do we need this bill right now? I mean, it seems like technology is going to solve this problem. You know, yeah. in the next couple decades. Listen, I uh, I'm a huge fan of uh, Waymo. To be honest with you, and, and like minded technologies, I just. It is something. It is crazy because I've actually I've ridden them in San Francisco. Yeah, and then yeah. I did it on my own in Scottsdale. Oh, okay, nice. And uh, just got on that. Just app like hopped in one, oh, and nice. then got picked up from a dinner and went to wow. another location. Yeah, and it's it is the craziest thing. It is, but the like there thing. wasn't a single moment that I felt unsafe. Yeah, and so I think to your point, like, um, it's going to sort itself out. I hate to say it because everyone has a different perception when they ride in in an autonomous. I mean, a lot of people haven't yet, but when you do. Everyone kind of has, they either get freaked out because it's so weird. It is weird, right? It's just like, this is trippy. I showed my wife the video. She's like, yeah, that's really trippy. (laughs) Um, uh, Or you feel like this is really cool, this this feel. But when when I rode in, the same day, I rode in an Uber with a guy that was the worst driver in the history (laughs) of California. And I was not, did not feel safe. Okay, so when we talk, I felt a lot more safe being driven around by a robot than this Uber driver that was just like running yellows and flying through San Francisco yeah. like crazy. Well, I, I think so San Francisco was funny. your problem there, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that never happened in Folsom. That's a good point. Yeah, our Uber drivers <laughs> out here are a little different. But, uh, but I mean, I'm just saying, man, I, I, there, there are a lot of times I don't feel safe when I'm a passenger in a vehicle. <laughs> well, and truthfully, like, I, I mean, when you actually, and we, I know we don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but the amount of data points that Waymo and, and those groups are collecting on yeah, I mean, yeah. every second. I mean, that's more than, I mean, cause though I do not support distracted driving, yeah. uh, you and I are probably always writing a text, reading an email, trying to drive, trying not to read, but, it, but at the very yeah. least voice text. Listen, there, I'm yeah. very, op- which, yeah, very honest <laughs> about my, my abilities to drive, but uh, it, it, but I think those are, so it's for me, yeah. like I trust yeah. those folks yeah. that are putting that together more than I trust myself. Yeah. And so if I can get in the backseat of oh a robot driving yeah. a car, I'm cool. I'm like, let's go. <laughs> yeah, I'm cool. <laughs> That's great. Well, last story in the recap. So I wanted to touch. So Dan Walters wrote this piece about California's catalog of dysfunctional programs. Uh, and I just love some of the points that he made on it. So I wanted to just uh, very briefly go through it. So he mm-hmm. talks about the explosion of cost of the bullet train, right? Mm-hmm. Which I know you're probably a little bit familiar with. Yep. High speed rails cost is, you know, was thrown to the voters, $33 billion. Now it's well over a hundred billion dollars <laughs> and nowhere near it. No. Yeah. I mean, I, whether it happens or not, I think is, is a big question. Right. Um, uh, talked about EDD during COVID-19, uh, losing billion, you know, twenty, thirty billion dollars in fraud. Mm-hmm. Um, talks about um, uh, homelessness has gone up forty percent since two thousand eighteen when Newsom took office. Um, we've got uh, the the Air Resources Board uh, continuing to give money to electric uh, technology makers that are not, you know, their products aren't working. Um, anyway, it just goes down down the line. But, um, you know, obviously prison costs have exploded and then uh, but but I just thought it was really interesting and we don't have to stay on this for very long. But I'm just like, when where's the examples of when California has been able to like successfully implement a technology project or successfully handle a crisis? I mean, it just feels like in every metric we're failing and it's it's frustrating. Man, I think you're you're right in a lot of ways. Um, I will say that there's one program that I'm super proud of to being a very small part in. And as far as like meeting yeah. goals, cause I do think I obviously, you know, my background, I come from an ag family. My family has been in ag, like central Valley, born and raised in Modesto farm up and down the state. Uh, my first big piece of legislation in that program, there was a farmer program, an engine replacement program. Nice. And then this last year uh, we did this big thing with, you know, Cal EPA, the Air Board, um, you know, our local air districts, because we met the goals and exceeded the goals a few years before. That's awesome. And and this is where I 
want to encourage California. Um, and this was an ag family, an ag bill, right? I mean, it was really related to tractors. First year wasn't great. Um, the paperwork was clunky. Uh, the dealerships that sold the tractors, it was just awkward. The salesmen and women didn't necessarily want to fill out the paperwork. The farmers, like, why yeah. are we doing all this? But the next year, like the air board, air, you know, our local air district worked with the dealerships, worked with the growers. Like, how can we expedite this? How can we make this more user friendly and listen to them? Yeah. And it became one of the most successful programs CARB has ever implemented. That's right? awesome. It's a really, really good story of how actually like local enterprises and government can work together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've said this multiple times. I'm a true believer, like carrot versus the stick approach. Um, when it comes to like environmental regulations yeah, and like, stuff. Yeah, exactly. And that's totally where agree. like give, set your goals. I don't know if you've heard this, but nobody's really arguing the governor's goals right now. Yeah. What you're hearing is industries like help us help you. Like, yeah. We have the ability, the technology to get there. Yeah. Maybe not in the time frame that you originally set forth, yeah. right? And, and we talk about like heavy equipment, ve- you know, vehicles like trucks right now. That you know that program, the CARB is like it's coming down. The the mandate's coming. The technology doesn't exist. Yeah, it is not because <clears throat> OEMs aren't trying to figure it out. Right, it just doesn't exist right now. So yeah. work with them, help them, and so when you have. So many elected officials, there's 120 of us, 121, including the governor, when so few of us have actually worked in private sector, we have these grandiose ideas of what we think society should look like. And I'm not saying that those ideas aren't necessarily right or wrong. I'm just saying at times, the technology doesn't exist to meet those goals. So work with said industry and help help them reach your goals. So, Well, I think as legislators, we need to acknowledge that we're not always the expert, right? Like... I mean, we don't like the idea that a bunch of legislators know how quickly an industry can transition to some new technology. I mean, it's the last thing that we yeah. would know. Right. Uh, and so, again, yeah, incentivize, don't mandate. Yeah. And I think that's we've gone so far down the mandating path in California that we're actually harming, I think, our ability to meet the goals that we want to meet. And I don't know if, if you met with, uh, I just say, Pinsky. They were in the building last week. I, I didn't meet with him. But yeah. uh, Pinsky is one of the groups that's actively trying to meet these goals. Like yeah. they're not fighting it at all. And they, if they literally bought every EV truck on the market today, <clears throat> they would still fall short. Yeah. And so here we have a company that's actively ready and willing to meet the goals. Technology doesn't exist. So what are we doing to partner with them? It's okay. Like, how do we help you? Like you're clearly on board with this thought process. You're clearly o- okay with it to a certain degree. So I really do wish uh, regulators, yeah. um, the board, electeds would listen to these folks um, who really understand it. And yeah. like, okay, we're not arguing your goals. We're just simply asking you like, we could do it all tomorrow. We're still going to fall short. So give us some time to meet your goals. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. There was a an electric school bus mandate that mm-hmm. we debated last year in education committee, yeah. and and when I was on the school board prior to this, um, I supported you know using the, some of the grants that were available when we had diesel buses that went out of commission, replacing some of them with electric buses. I I, I thought that was fine, right? right. In, in the areas we could make it work, and if they were cost effective, let's go ahead and do that. But the idea that we mandate them on every district in California by a certain date, he wanted to do it by 2030 or 2035, something like that, uh, including rural districts where they don't make sense, including, you know, districts that might not have the money to do it. And not even in taking into consideration that a lot of districts are already going that direction and they can't buy the buses because they're not enough of them on the market to buy. And it's like, why on earth would we mandate something that isn't even like available yet right. in it's like in in real in the real world? And so, you know, it's like, oh, you're anti-electric buses. I'm not, but man, I'm anti-mandating them yeah. on districts that might not be able to get them. It's well, I crazy. I think that's the whole thought, right? Like, no, like we we support the technology. Yeah. But mandated by a a time and a place that Sacramento says yeah. is not always reality. And then, like, even on the trucking side, okay, so you buy a new tractor trailer. Okay, just, let's just say a new tractor, new truck. You're going to be $150,000, $250,000, right? 
to buy a new Pete or whatever it may be. Yeah. One of those electric trucks are oh, north of 600. Yeah, it's insane. And so where does those costs go? They get passed down to the consumer. Sure. And so all that does is jack up the prices for all of our constituents. All so the food. Yep. It's a, it, none of this is done in a silo. And every now and then, well, actually, I would say the majority of the time, we view it as yeah. a silo. And in reality, <clears throat> it's simply not. Yeah. So. It, they're, they're not consequences that uh, you see immediately but there are consequences that are yeah. that our constituents see yeah. over time and it's yeah it's a huge problem mm-hmm. um so uh we'll move on to looking ahead a little bit about what's coming down this year um not going to talk about a lot of bills today i did want to mention the fentanyl issue it's an issue i think you and i both really care about mm-hmm. we both are parents we both uh want this stuff out of our schools i introduced a bill last week um that does three things it 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 creates new penalties for the sale of fentanyl to kids specifically. Um, it um, And then it adds fentanyl to sentence enhancements that already exist in the code um, for, um, you know, in the same category as cocaine and, and, and heroin and things like that. So it actually puts fentanyl in there. In some cases, especially when it comes to kids, I think fentanyl is even more deadly than some of those other drugs because kids don't even know that they're taking it. Uh, a lot of the time in high school and stuff. So um, I'm, I'm in these, most of these penalties involve either kids or fentanyl dealing around schools. Um, just something I'm super passionate about. Um, do you think that we're going to make progress this year as a legislature on fentanyl? I do. Um, I think your idea, my idea of progress may be different than potentially the majority party. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Um, but I do know that we have a new chair of public safety Yeah. who may or may not be running for mayor of Sacramento. <laughs> um, what I do know about Sacramento is people are really tired yeah. of their kids <clears throat> dying because yeah. of a, a fentanyl poisoning. And yeah, I, I do. I, I think on a lot of these issues, whether it's retail theft, whether it's fentanyl, uh, People are tired of it, and politicians really answer to voters, and they answer to the ballot box, right? And voters can really send a strong message like, listen, if you're screwing off and not protecting my kids, if mom doesn't feel safe about going to Target, if dad is worried about, you know, the daughter taking, you know, a pill because she's stressed out about a test and it's laced with fentanyl and she passes away. Like, I mean, as a father, like that's our worst nightmare. It is, right? Yeah. And so if we don't take that serious because we don't want to put somebody in jail, um, people aren't buying that anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's not a partisan issue anymore. Yep. It really is like communities want to be safe. And we've, we've talked about it earlier. Like nobody's saying we go back to the 1980s of lock everybody up and throw away the key. No, yeah. that's not what we're saying at all. I certainly don't want that. But I also do not want what we're doing now where there's absolutely, like, and honestly, I say absolutely, there's very, very little consequences for any of these actions right now. And Yeah, and, and if you're dealing fentanyl to literally the most vulnerable of our yeah. population, our kids, um, I just can't think of a worse thing, you know, that you uh, could do. You yeah. Know? I, it's, it's It needs to be treated with, you know, the utmost seriousness. Um, So yeah, it's just incredible. And it's a whole different conversation, but it's the same concept as like, you know, I mean, next few years we're going to see and coming down the pike is a lot of, you know, uh, internet sex trafficking, uh, Mm -hmm. internet child pornography, AI, like all of these issues are something that we're going to have to deal with. And I really just want to bring that to people's attention as well. Like I know, we all love our technology. We do. But we really need to be honest about who has the responsibility to protect. Yeah. Like what tools is law enforcement, does law enforcement not have to yeah. deal with this? And I think we as a legislator need to really focus on this because, I mean, father of two daughters, you've got kiddos, um, whether it's retail theft, internet crimes, yeah. you know, uh, child exploitation, human trafficking, fentanyl. There's a lot going on in the world right now. Yeah. And I think, you know, sometimes in Sacramento, we focus on, you know, putting a mandate that a car can't go over 10 miles an hour. 
<laughs> and in reality, yeah. we've got create people creating AI images of our kids, you know, to do yep. things with. Like, and so I think at some point, I would love for us as an elected body to get back to the things that people actually care about. Yeah. And this was sort of the frustration with the youth football thing. Um, yeah. Why in God's green earth did we go down that rabbit hole? Uh, yeah. How about we not address that and actually address fentanyl that yeah. is bringing true harm to yeah. families, right? Yeah. Um, and kids. So. Or human trafficking or what name, pick it, pick a yeah. subject. Yeah. Youth football is not one. Yeah. So. No, totally agree. Um, been getting a lot of questions uh, moving on from fentanyl because, and I hope you're right. I hope we do make progress on that this year. I uh, got some emails to the uh, podcast um, about uh, initiatives coming up, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, I just wanted to touch on a, a three that I think have a direct correlation to the legislature. Um, the big one is on people's ballots. I think ballots are getting mailed out today, actually. Yeah. But um, throughout California in the voter guide right now, is Proposition 1. That's the only one that's going to be on this upcoming primary election ballot, and it's the uh, mental health bond. Um, This was put on uh, by the legislature, actually, and um, it's a $6 billion potential bond to uh, increase uh, mental health services in California, retweak some of the way we approach uh, homelessness and mental health, uh, provide more housing. But, you know, I have some concerns with it from the standpoint of it continues down the path of housing first, right? Mm-hmm. Housing first, uh, services voluntary, services later. And we've spent $20 billion plus billion over the last six years to solve homelessness. And I mentioned it earlier, it's gone up by 40% today uh, we've seen uh, we have 49% of the nation's unsheltered homeless population in California. Half of the nation's unsheltered homeless live in California, and uh, I think we can honestly say, as a legislator, uh, as a legislature, we should acknowledge, if we're being honest, that what we're doing is not working. You know, so I think the question is, does this move us in the right direction or the wrong direction, and is it the best use of taxpayer dollars? You know, so it'll be interesting to see. Totally. Um... I've been on record and continue to support uh, Prop 1. Yeah. Uh, not that I don't have concerns, to yeah. your point. Like, yeah. I I think since the 70s, you know, we've screwed up mental health in the state. Oh, for sure. And is Prop 1 going to fix it? I don't think it's going to fix it overnight. Um, and I share your concerns. I they, Really, the biggest issue that I have with Prop 1 is the housing first thing. Yeah. Um, because... I, I, there's just a part of me, and you talk to our firefighters, um, not as much now as it was in 2008, and like when we really had that housing crisis, right? Where, you know, these guys, these folks, these unhoused individuals would go into a house, you know, cut every, you know, other stud out, cut the rafters out to burn mm-hmm. wood. And then, you know, I mean, we almost had a friend die when he went through a roof of one of these things, right? Mm. And so I say all of that, like, if we don't deal with mental health, you could put somebody in the nicest house possible, yep. right? Yep. But if they're not mentally sound, yeah, it's going to be destroyed in a, a week or less. We've seen it. And so I, I think personally that where the housing first concept comes in, and, and maybe this is where they're headed, and I would hope that they are, is if you are a single parent or you know, a family that has fallen on hard times, how do we as a state work with those folks to keep them in their house? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and I'm not just here for social, <clears throat> you know, just like handing out money just willy-nilly, but I think there is a, a, an idea there. Like if you can keep a family in a home, it's going to be far cheaper for the state than if they get on the street and we deal with it later. Right? I, I do believe that there might be 10% of the homeless population and house populations out there now that we can actually help. I think the overwhelming majority of the, sadly, need services that they're not willing to take. Yeah. Um, where I would like to see the state focus is how do we stop that? How do we keep people in a house, right? How do we make sure that they have a living, working wage? And this is something that's like not a very Republican idea necessarily. But like if we as a state create an environment where jobs come in, right? Right. 
where we make it a business-friendly atmosphere, where we don't have the unemployment that we do. I, it's one of the reasons I have sort of issues with the minimum wage hikes as they continue. You know, yeah. um, one of my dad's business partners many, many years ago talked about like, and this is when, un, or I'm sorry, uh, um, minimum wage was significantly less than it is now. But he would hire a lot more people if he didn't have to pay him that. Because like, if, if you need a kid or somebody that like just, uh, hey, I need somebody to empty the trash, you know, yeah. once a day, I'll give you X. We can't do that anymore. Right. There's so much liability, all of that. So I think we have, we've lost our way in this regard. I think we're, the business community is ready and willing to employ people, um, but they're scared to because yeah. of the liability, because of the cost, because of all of those things that we as a state put onto them. So I, I really think that there is a reset that needs to happen where. Yeah. No, I, t- I, I, I think like we just need, I mean, to your point, we've passed a lot of policies, right, that have done the opposite of what they're intended to do, right? We say we're going to pass, we're going to increase this price here and not think about the consequence that has on, for example, with the minimum wage. What does that do to the price of food? What does that do to the prices for the people that are, you know, trying to get by, right? Mm-hmm. Um, housing. I mean, one of the best ways we can keep people in their houses is by bringing down the cost of housing in California. Right. I mean, it is out of control and we've passed all of these policies, you know, we'll pass some rent control policy that actually forces uh, property owners to get out of the rental market yeah. because they don't want to be, uh, have that liability and deal with the regulations of renting a property anymore. So we reduce the supply of housing yeah. as opposed to, you know, allowing, you know, the market to actually build without too many regulations, to actually rent without too many regulations. And and we're seeing the consequences of that with some of the highest housing costs in the entire nation. 100%. Right? And like if if you have a duplex or whatever it may be, and all of a sudden you're getting sued, you know, from a, a tenant group who yeah. is just like, and this is where PAGA, we could tie in PAGA to all of this, right? Yeah. And I'm dealing with an individual in my district. Um, incredibly cheap rents for fixed yeah. income families for senior citizens, right? And somebody left, and all of a sudden, somebody out of LA, yeah, you know, some attorney, and now they're getting sued, right? No, it's it's insane. So like, we, there's absolutely no incentives for for people to take that risk anymore. There really yeah. isn't. And I don't know if you saw this last week, but I don't know. It was probably ten days ago, maybe two weeks ago. I don't know exactly when the deal was cut. And I'm, I mean, you know me, like I'm a, a very like labor friendly Republican. Teamsters cut a deal with UPS. Okay. Last week, UPS laid that. off 14,000 people. Saw that. Yep. Not saying those two are connected. And I will, I, but like, <clears throat> I, this is where there's just because you can do something doesn't yeah. mean you always should. Yeah. Because there's consequences to that. No, it's a great point. Uh, speaking of PAGA, let's talk about PAGA. But before we talk about PAGA, because that was one of the other initiatives that is in, on the horizon, right? It uh, won't be on the ballot coming up, but it, you know, potentially in November. Um, but before we move on from Prop 1, I just wanted to make the final point that in the podcast notes, we're going to link the legislative analyst's uh, overview of Prop mm-hmm. 1 so people can go and read that. But what I always encourage people to do is don't stop reading at the ballot and title Uh, on on your ballot, right? That is written by a partisan attorney general who wants you to read it in a certain way. Um, I I always encourage people, go, and we're going to link it in the the notes, but go to the legislative analyst's analysis of the initiative to get the nonpartisan facts because I really think it's critical that people read that versus kind of the slanted whatever of whatever the initiative is, right? I so. think it's a great point. And it's, <laughs> it's good encouragement. And like, if you ever want to just prove your point, uh, bring the LAOs, um, their version, and then set it beside the attorney general's version and it'll prove your point. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's, it's pretty it's, interesting. It's very, very different. So definitely, you know, if you want just kind of a, uh, the nonpartisan overview analysis of that, um, you can check the notes there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's talk about PAGA because, you know, uh, PAGA is the Private Attorneys General General's Act, um, and it is something. In a lot of ways, if anyone remembers the uh, the ADA lawsuits from mm-hmm. from a number of years ago, 
uh, where small businesses were being sued for very tiny infractions and then, um, you know, having to correct them and going out of business in some cases because of their there was enough time or they were not able to correct these small things. Um, PAGA is kind of a new version of that, but I think on steroids, I think it's, it's even worse. It is really, um, you know, it, it, it is essentially empowered um, class action lawsuits against businesses. But I think the most uh, over, over employ employment violations, but I think, the craziest thing about the way it is all structured now is, yes, we believe that if an employee has been wronged, they should be able to get compensation or get, you know, um, you know, some have some sort of recourse, right? Mm-hmm. But what PAGA did when we passed PAGA is it empowered lawyers to get all of the compensation and the money, and employees that are actually harmed get a fraction of the actual damages that are found, right? Mm-hmm. And so it has just created this I think completely backward system um that is that is really uh, putting a lot of strain on business owners. I I didn't know if you wanted to opine any further on that, but it's oh, just I can opine on this know. issue for sure. Um <laughs> as you well know, I've been vice chair of labor for my entire time I've been elected. And so we've heard PAGA a lot. Um and there's no other way to put PAGA than legal extortion. And I think you bring it up to ADA is a really good um, comparison. Uh, I'm pretty confident it was assembly member Adam Gray and Kristen Olson that joined together to deal with the ADA issue. Um, and PAGA originally started by the same group of attorneys. Once they realized they couldn't go after ADA, they went after these issues, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I have files upon files of examples over the last number of years where attorneys are getting six, seven figures on a settlement and the employee is getting 400. I had one from a major corporation where the settlement was 32 cents. And so I actually recently had this conversation with the new chair of labor uh, committee um, that if we truly care, if as a labor committee, we care about workers, which is what we swear we do, right? Mm-hmm. then why on God's green earth do the attorneys get all the money and the employees get pennies on the dollar? Yeah. If we, if PAGA is truly about protecting the employee. Right, right. And we all know this. I mean, the the private attorneys lobby corps up here is pretty powerful, mm-hmm. uh, not so much with our side of the aisle, but certainly mm-hmm. with our colleagues. And I've met with them every year I've been up here, and sure. I have this conversation with them. It's just like I don't understand this. Um, from a, from your perspective, I get it, but from a, a labor committee perspective, <laughs> it makes, no sense. It makes yeah. absolutely no sense yeah. at all. And, um, I was somewhat encouraged by that, to be honest with you. I mean, she was just like, you know, I, I know very little about this. I'd love to learn more. And I was like, well, I would love to help educate you on this issue. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like our family, like we're, we're in business, yeah. you know, and it's extortion where you can have anybody file a lawsuit. And all they're wanting is that settlement yep. where they're going to make six, seven grand on a small one. The, the employee is going to make a hundred bucks yep. and the attorneys move on and they send out thousands of these emails, thousands of these postcards a week. Yep. And they're just throwing noodles on the wall. It, it is, uh, you know, I hate to say it. It's like in some ways a giant scam. Um, Total scam. From the, and and we've, we've created this a few times in California, right? Mm-hmm. We mentioned the ADA issue. We also create it with the with the Voters' Rights Act. Uh, mm-hmm. These lawyers that go up and down the state suing districts to for for holding at large elections yeah. and walking away with thirty thousand dollars checks yeah. every time because the law has empowered them to do that. 100%. And 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 I think uh, we as a legislature need to be a lot more careful with this. I, I know that some of it is special interest driven, and uh, maybe it's a matter of political will. To be honest yeah. with you, to avoid putting these things into law, but we have to. Uh, do more to avoid, you know, uh, empowering lawyers in the way that we have. I think it's um, both parties. Uh, we have our people, our colleagues have theirs, right? At some point, though, we need to look through a fresh set of lenses. Yeah. Like where we really truly, if we're actually having this conversation, I'm sorry. Like if it, first of all, I do not believe that 
you know, employers are inherently wrong in the state of California. I yeah. actually argue that 99.9% of all employers in the state are doing the right thing yeah. for their employees. I just simply do. Now, does it say there's not a bad actor? And I think they should be whacked, right? I think they should be, we should sort that out through the courts. That is not what PAGA is doing right now. Yeah. Um, PAGA was hijacked um, by a group. It, yeah. It's just like, I mean, we could argue, um, you know, EPA, uh, the start of EPA. I mean, President Reagan started that, yeah. right? Um, with good intentions. Yeah. And then it gets kind of hijacked, right? Sure. And so I think PAGA is sort of the same way. Uh, we need to protect employees, but uh, it's been absolutely not, not extorted. This, no, yeah. this is awesome. So, so this initiative actually qualified for the ballot. Uh, there's another initiative on Proposition 47 that I was just going to briefly go over because I know we're running out of time here. Uh that is currently collecting signatures for the November ballot. And I think it's um, over halfway for sure, maybe two thirds of the way there, but um, that would provide drug and mental health treatment for people addicted to hard drugs. Um, uh, speaking to what we were speaking to earlier, adding fentanyl to existing uh, uh, laws prohibiting possession of hard drugs while uh, armed with a firearm, um, adding fentanyl to you know trafficking laws, uh, permitting judges to use their discretion to sentence drug dealers to prison instead of county jail uh, when they're convicted of hard drugs, um, warning drug dealers uh, that they could be charged with murder. This yeah. is something we've talked about if they continue to traffic hard drugs, um, increasing penalties for people who repeatedly engage in retail theft, um, add new laws to address the increasing problem of smash and grabs, and reinstate penalties um, for dealers who uh, seriously injure someone. Uh, the other thing in here that I, I don't think is in this section um, is trying to bring back these the drug court system mm -hmm. in a way where you can offer someone jail time or treatment. And I think that is something that we've completely lost track of since Proposition yes. 47 has passed. Um, so I, I just wanted to bring these two up at the end because I think um, – you know, what a lot of people, this was a recent change. In 2014, the legislature passed SB 1253, which created this process that allows ballot initiative proponents to withdraw their initiative. I think it's like 131 days prior to the election uh, if the legislature and them can work out some sort of, you know, agreement, right? Uh, I think that I think that both of these things potentially, one of them's qualified on PAGA and the other one's probably will qualify on Prop 47. Do you think that they're going to have an impact on what we do as a legislature this year? And is it the leverage that we need or that our colleagues need to act on some of these huge issues? Uh, yes and yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it's going to have a huge impact on what we do. And I also think it is the leverage that we need. We both know it's also why they're trying to change some of these rules. Yeah. I mean, at, let's be very honest. Like, I understand the frustration. Like, uh, propositions don't always get it right. I mean, there are things that I wish yeah. that we could, you know, change. Yeah. But because it's a prop, we have to go back to the voters, and that's a challenge, right? Yeah. Um, so I'm not saying that propositions are the um, the greatest things in sliced bread. What I am saying, though, is it's absolutely one of the last checks and balances we have on Sacramento. Yeah. That if something goes awry, um, yeah, we can take it to the voters, and and I think that has got some of my Democratic colleagues scared. Our yeah. Democratic colleagues scared. Yeah. You know, I mean, Uber did the same thing a few years ago on AB five. Yeah, right? yeah, took it to the voters. Mm -hmm. Guess what happened? The voters agreed with them. Yeah, yeah, right. And so I think a lot of times Sacramento likes to do things in a silo because they don't really want to talk about it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that yeah. this is what we need. I think both of these will um, have a, a strong impact on what happens in Sacramento, for sure. Um, and that's one thing like PAGA. I'm excited about that for the first time. And yeah, I can get a real movement. Yeah. And it's probably not going to be as far as what you and I would prefer. Right. <laughs> but like, that's also not the world we live in. Yeah. And so a little bit of movement's better than nothing. No, I'm, uh, you heard it here first. I hope you're right. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think it will create some important leverage. So we're over time, but I had to play this clip real quick for our clip of the week. Speaking of Prop 47, uh, Newsom uh, went on a little bit about this this week, and some of you may have already heard it, but I'm uh, going to play it here, and then we'll react. says, sir, uh, you dropped this, and he comes back, picks it up, and keeps walking out. 
as we're checking out, the woman says, oh, he's just walking out. He didn't pay for that. I said, well, why are you stopping? She goes, oh, the governor. I swear to God, true story. And my mom's great. The governor lowered the threshold. There's no, there's no, there's no accountability. There's no, I said, that's just not true. And she, I, she got, I said, we have the 10th toughest, $950, the 10th toughest in America. She doesn't even know what I was talking about. By the way, it's the 10th toughest in America. But look it up. No one gives a damn about right. that. And I said, it's just not true. There's still stop. I said, well, we don't stop them because of the governor. And then she goes, she looks at me twice, and then she freaks out. She calls everyone over, wants to take photos. I'm like, no, I'm not taking a photo. We're having a conversation. Where's your manager? How are you blaming the governor? And it was, you know, $380 later. And I was like, why am I spending $380? Everyone can walk the hell right out. Not fair. Not fair. I mean, he's got a point. <laughs> okay, but why am I spending? We've been asking this for, for years. Why am I spending money and you're not holding those people accountable? That's crazy. For walking out. Uh, it's it's so, it's uh, like, well, what's your reaction to it? Because I got to get my thoughts together now. Because every time I hear it, it's got 5.3 million views. I think about a million of those are me, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, listen, um, I think... I think then the governor in the privacy of his own home honestly shares the frustration. I think we have no political will to deal with it though. Mm -hmm. I, I really do believe that's yeah. like, and I think he was being somewhat honest right there, quite frankly. Like, I mean, cause we've all had, I mean, literally earlier in this podcast, we talked about like, I've had the same thought process. Like this dude's running out the front door. I'm the idiot sitting here paying. Yeah. Like who's the dummy. Right. Yeah. And I think the governor had a moment of honesty there. It was like, yeah, like I'm sitting here waiting for 380 bucks. But at some point, the majority party has to have the political will yeah. to hold people accountable for their actions. And right now we don't have that. Yeah. I, I think he came off very out of touch. I mean, totally. uh, I don't know how often he shops at Target. Um, but, uh, you know, this this it, it almost seemed like a new concept to him that this was going on. And I think... That's what drives me crazy. I don't know if that's like, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, that's just my perception. But you know, but to it's, your it's point, very, like, yeah. how often does and then I don't know. Like, <laughs> does the governor shop at Target that much? Like, so I don't know. At some times, like, it takes somebody to see something firsthand to realize, like, holy crap, we are idiots. Like, yeah. this is craziness now. And like, I'm not like, listen, the governor tomorrow could make these changes if he wanted to. He could put out a press release telling the elected officials, yep. like, let's do this. Yep. And we would all act on that. Right. Yep. Yep. He has the ability to. So now we just need to have the political. Well, will. I mean, it was Governor Brown that pushed for Prop 47. Governor Newsom could push to reform or repeal it. I mean, it's that simple. Yeah. And uh, uh, he is not. He still even as legislators are introducing reform bills, he has not come out and taken a position on anything yet. Uh, he needs to show leadership on this issue. And real quickly, I just want to debunk this absolute uh, terrible argument that we are the 10th toughest in the nation. That is complete, completely misleading and disingenuous to say that. Yes, when you look at felony shop or uh, misdemeanor shoplifting and felony shoplifting uh, in, in one category, $950, I think it's the, uh, the felony category, $950 is, I, I believe, the 10th um, – like 10th highest in the nation. The but that's for felonies. The difference is, is that we don't punish anyone for misdemeanors. If you go and committed a misdemeanor theft in Texas, uh, you're going to jail. So it's so disingenuous for the governor to say, we're the 10th toughest in the nation. No, we're not. Yeah. Because we don't punish people when they commit misdemeanors, like every other state does. Yeah. And it is so incredibly uh, dishonest, I think. To claim that. Well, and I think the interesting little fact on what he was saying there, too, is like all those other states, I'm pretty confident um, if you steal $250 today, $250 tomorrow, that's $500, right? Yeah. Like right now, I mean, you can steal 900 and whatever at $60 a day, but it doesn't matter. You could literally do it every single day in Slap Texas. on the wrist. And yeah. I, the, the term is, I'm just losing like the term that I'm looking for, but yeah. Like we don't have these uh, aggregated, aggregated yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yes, thank you. Absolutely, um, yeah. And I think that's the the interesting little like fact that people don't realize. Like, yeah, you can cite all these states, but they're aggregated. We're not. Yeah. No, it's it's. Uh, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I think I think it really did to me at least show that he's uh, out of touch. Uh, some obviously being dishonest on the issue because he wants to deflect blame. Uh, but I think you're right. The reality is that he could he could help change this if he really made it a priority. And that's where I go back to so, it. I know we're out of time, but like, yeah, you are the governor of the fifth largest economy yep. in the world. Yep. Like your words actually mean something. So this is an issue that all of us are dealing with. He and he alone has the ability to make like major changes. Now, I would just encourage him to have the political will to do so. Yep. Let's end there. Uh, as we ride out here, as we wrap up, any Super Bowl predictions? What are we thinking? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> Niners. I mean, Niners, right? I mean, you got to yeah, go yeah, Niners. Yeah. I'm so excited. It's going to be such a great game. And I'm nervous, but I am excited. <laughs> oh, I'm, not, I'm certainly nervous. Like, Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Niners, come on now. Yeah, we'll go Niners. Hopefully next week we're right. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, rematch should be fun. Yeah. Would love to see. My son told me yesterday, I just want to see Taylor Swift lose the Super Bowl. Like, all right, I don't know why everyone's so – Yeah, you know? no, it's, a, it's a real It'd thing. Be fun. We should do a whole podcast It'd on what Taylor Swift has done to the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll keep that in our back pocket for a future episode. I don't know. Uh, we're going to wrap there. Uh, thanks, Heath, for coming on. Um, if you want to share ideas for future shows, you can email us at pointoforderpod at gmail.com. You can watch, follow, subscribe on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, threads at pointoforderpod. And you can follow today's hosts on X or Twitter at Joshua underscore Hoover for me or at Heath Flora CA for Heath Flora. Thanks again, Heath. Appreciate it. I love it. Always fun, my friend. Thank you. Have a good one.